Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. So the first thing I got to say, uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Kim, say hello. You thought you could hide from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are joined by Kim from our Patreon show, Perilous Tides. Uh, so we have got the entirety of the crew here for what will be in the month of November, the Crit Show double feature. Uh, each episode in the month of November, you are going to get first a game of bubblegum shoe ran by Jake. And second, two bouts of the Monster Mash. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. That was the appropriate response. Where the hell were the rest of you? <laughs> I'm trying to get Twizzler out of my teeth. <laughs> we didn't talk about that in rehearsal. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, secret's out. Yeah. It's all scripted. So, uh, so yeah, this month will be a little bit different. Uh, you will get Bubblegum Shoe first, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a transition, and we will go into two fights of the Monster Mash. As I said before, we have laid out a game of the Monster Mash, and it took way longer than anticipated to play, but we were having a good time with it, uh, so we just kept it as is, and uh, we will do two bouts an episode until we get the winner. Uh, but before we get into that, we do want to announce a couple of things. First, the winner of our Halloween costume contest. So the winner, uh, randomly drawn, is Alan O'Mara as the Vault Hunter from Fallout. Congratulations! Woo! Very yes. good. It is very really good. good costume. Yeah. Uh, and so we will mail out to you this custom leather dice box by Natural Twenty Leathers, as well as this set of Crit Show themed dice by Dragon Knight Dice. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, we're all going to pick one of our favorites, and we're going to send a little something uh, to each of those as well. So, so folks, what are your what are your picks? Oh golly, I probably won't say her name right, but uh, my pick is The Cat on a Pirate Ship by Christina Viscusi. <laughs> Very ornate ship. So good. And a precious little floof. Yeah. Uh, mine, I want to couch this. I would have never thought that I would pick a photo of what seems to be a naked werewolf in a tub. 
um, <laughs> as a favorite anything, but by God, it's Chuck Richards as the werewolf serum. Yeah. Yeah, that was very, that was very good. Uh, my pick is Mike and Megan Keck as Bob and Gene Belcher. Um, the, the mustache was very good, and I liked the spatula, but it was really the tiny microphone. <laughs> with, that really uh, sold it. it. It was just so much Gene energy. Big I, Gene energy, yeah. yeah. Really, really, really captured it for me. I loved it. B-G-E. <laughs> Big Gene energy. Um, there were a few people who submitted photos of their Ada Hawthorne costumes from Perilous Tides, and I loved them so much, so much that I couldn't pick a favorite, so I had to roll a dice for my favorite. So congratulations to Jax Gitzes uh, for her Ada costume. Yeah, uh, and then for mine, boy, this was real difficult because there were two things that were super close to my heart. There was a couple of very good plague doctors, uh, but then there was, from Perilous Tides, a sayer with a bag and thaw. Uh, so mine is Christopher LeBlanc. Uh, so each of you, we will send you a little something in the mail. Once again, thank you to everybody who contributed. We love seeing all of you in costume as well as your pets in costume. We hope that you all had a great Halloween, a safe Halloween, uh, and that you enjoyed much candy as we are doing around the table. <laughs> We've got literally right now. right now. Oh, a cornucopia in front of us. I feel so sick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then lastly, uh, we want to take this opportunity to thank the patrons who joined in the month of October. Carrie Holmes, Amanda Evans, Abigail Agnew, Rocktopus, which has an awesome image of a octopus playing a guitar. Nice. Aaron Linderman, Lem Mill, Ryan Nealon, Samuel Lewis, Kieran De La Rue, Rylan Cherez. Mm. <laughs> I was rolling so well. Um, JJ Mason. CR Amalgamy. Amalgamy? Amalgamy, maybe. I'm not looking at the piece of paper. Uh, uh, Sean Molson, Alec Carlisle, Oliver Pirelli, Brady Sullivan, Brad Collins, Caitlin Gonzalez, and Gabriel Gonzalez. So thank you to all of you who joined us in the month of October on the Patreon. And thank you to all of you who join us every month on the Patreon. Again, you can find all of the information about our Patreon at patreon.com slash the crit show. Tears start at just $1, which gets you into our aggressively welcoming Discord. Yeah, there's all kinds of tears. So again, you can find that all at patreon.com slash the crit show. I think with that, it's time to grab another Twizzler. Uh-huh. I thought you had the hook for me. Oh, God, no. I'm just fixated on the candy bag. That's <laughs> fair. Enjoy Bubblegum Shoe. So we are playing Bubblegum Shoe. Um, Bubblegum Shoe is a uh, pen and paper RPG that is based on the Gumshoe system, which is specifically for running mysteries. Um, the Gumshoe system makes some core assumptions that we will talk about that a lot of other RPGs don't, uh, specifically towards the end of cracking clues and solving mysteries. Bubblegum Shoe is an evil hat uh, production. It is an adaptation of the Gumshoe system that puts it in a setting where you are all playing teen detectives specifically. So this is sort of a Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys-esque setting. Because of that, um, the circumstances of the mysteries and things like that are probably a little bit less dire, and certainly less dire than most of the things I think we play on this show. <laughs> um, rather than save world, solve murder, stuff like that, it's like, who stole Jimmy's bike? Uh, and things like that. So, to be perfectly frank, the narrative isn't really what makes this game shine. The people playing teen detectives is going to be kind of what makes this interesting and humorous because the stakes 
simply are not that high. Um, <laughs> if you don't figure out who stole Jimmy's bike, life in this town will go on. Not for Jimmy. But yeah, not he's going to have Jimmy. to walk everywhere. That sucks. He, how's he supposed to make his livelihood anymore? Poor seven-year-old Jimmy. <laughs> uh, so I suppose where we will start here uh, is just with character creation. Um, there are a few background elements that everybody needs to kind of flesh out before we get into like actually assigning points and abilities and things like that. Um, so how about to begin with, we, we did some of this character creation. In fact, we did all of this character creation beforehand because Gumshoe is a little bit more in depth of a system than we normally play on here. Um, it is closer to like D and D than it is to powered by the apocalypse. So, uh, how about briefly, we all go around and just kind of describe broadly who our person is, um, what like their name is, what their interests are. Um, everybody in here is a high school student in the same school. Uh, so that is sort of what keeps everybody together and that they just have a powerful lust for solving mysteries. Um, but let's start with rev here why don't you tell us a little bit about who your person is all right so i am playing as peter parker no uh-huh. no not <laughs> no, that illegal parker. <laughs> illegal yeah, illegal uh, so uh his school we all go to the same school we go to binford high uh my class is latchkey kid uh my click is the science geeks my club is yearbook and my drive is family code um so I uh, come from a single parent home. It's just my dad. He is a, a huge fan of comic books. He uh, is kind of like a, a pop culture critic. I don't know how else you would get a name like Peter Parker uh, without having a parent like that. Um, and so growing up, that was always the all the lessons of Spider-Man were ingrained in it. And three or four years ago, you'd have caught me. I hated it all. But because it was kind of used against me at school, I started to embrace it. Uh, and so I am into all the things that that comic book Peter Parker is into. I'm into science. I'm into photography. Um, and I have this code ingrained in me, whether or not I always want to deal with it, um, that with great power comes great responsibility. So Rev referred to a few kind of key terms in this game and setting up the background. Um, class. Class refers to like your broad socioeconomic class. Um, he chose his to be a latchkey kid. He named it latchkey kid. Um, that is sort of a thing that each player can name for themselves and decide who they are but it has some repercussion on like how you interact with people of other classes or how you can get into places that are like other classes you know it might be hard for a latchkey kid to get into the country club or something like that that is a manifestation of how class works in this game yeah and i think in the book like this this type of class was called wrong side of the tracks or something and that didn't quite feel right for what i was going with yeah i think that would yeah that's probably a slightly different class from what you're what you've got in mind yeah um yours is like somewhere between that and just like middle class yeah um click click is just the group you fit in with or hang out with at school that is things like the jocks the nerds the cheerleaders whatever stuff like that would be your click club is literally a school club it is whatever your extracurricular is um so that could be you know things like 4-h or other clubs wow i didn't do a lot in high school i'm just it's just occurring to me and i didn't do 4-h either i have no idea what 4-h is 4-h is like farmer club (laughs) it's it's agriculture club we sure didn't have that in the city that makes sense uh and then drive is like your overarching why are you a teen detective what is the thing that like you believe in and you stand for that makes you you know unable to just let things slide and unable to let questions go unanswered um 
so Peter Parker is I sh- I should have saved Peter Parker for last. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's move on. Let's go to uh, Tass here. Let's talk about your person. If you say Bruce Wayne, Tass, I'm gonna no Clark Kent. <clears throat> uh, I am playing Felix Tanner. I am uh, a senior at Benford, and I am a rich kid as far as the class is concerned, so kind of upper class, just uh, this this spoiled dude. Um, I am in the jock clique. Uh, I am in theater club, and his drive is risk taker. Um, so yeah, he is an athletic guy, um, but he's not very competitive. He's much more social. Uh, so he leaned more into stuff like gymnastics and and stuff that's a little showier and more you know more about performance so where he's really connected with all of the jocks and gotten into that click is that he is the mascot uh of the benford bullfrogs so at just about any sporting event he can get to he's got the big inflatable frog costume that's like 80 percent frog head and then the little arms and legs um, so it lets him do lots of the fun gymnastics stuff. And it's the type where he can, you know, run over to one of the players when they're off the field and like, you know, fake eat them and spit them back out and <laughs> and just do lots of the fun taunting stuff like that. Uh, he joined the theater club to, uh, you know, kind of learn how to be a little bit more presentational and project and all of that fun stuff as well. Um, but growing up spoiled also meant that he grew up sheltered uh so he's really taken a shift as he's gotten more popular and and made a lot more friends in all of the kind of the various um clubs and cliques um so he he just likes to take risks he likes to get out there and do the stuff that he knows that his parents would not approve of um so he's often getting into trouble by trying to impress other people or help other people out awesome uh megan let's talk about your person I am playing Georgia Dolan. Uh, I'm a sophomore at Binford High. Uh, my class is lower middle. I didn't really come up with a cool name for it, but that'll work. That's okay. <laughs> um, for Click, I am in with the activists. So she's very active in um, animal like conservation and protecting outdoor parks. Uh, for Club, she is part of the like journalism club so she does the like morning news over all the tvs throughout the school in the morning uh and for drive i have make the world a better place so she spends like a lot of her time um handing out flyers throughout the school and um she likes to break into to different sites that she's not supposed to be at for protests um nice can can that be how felix is friends with her in some way like helping her sneak into places Sure. Yes. Okay. Excellent. She's like, no. (laughs) Uh, And Kim, tell us about your person. Sure. I'm playing Madison King. She is middle class. Her clique is student government. Her club is orchestra. And her drive is sense of justice. Madison is class president. Uh, She is extremely driven under a lot of pressure. She is the girl who is the first to raise her hand in class and the teacher is desperately looking for anyone else to call on. (laughs) Uh, She just she cares a lot about her school and cares a lot about trying to make it the best place it can be. Awesome. Uh, So, yeah, we've we've covered a lot of ground as far as like classes and cliques. And, you know, none of you are the same person by any means, like. I think in a normal scenario, it's entirely possible that none of you would hang out at all. Um, but 
you all have something that makes you want to be teen detectives. And that is kind of what draws you all together. That is the explanation for why you are not even necessarily friends. It's not even presumed in this game that all of the sleuths are friends. You could fucking hate each other. But, oh boy, you both need to crack those clues. Uh, so let's get into the rest of the character build here. Um, the way that you build a bubblegum shoe character is by uh, taking a set number of points and assigning them to abilities. Uh, so this isn't a game where you choose your moves or your feats or you assign really like your stats or anything. It's kind of equivalent to just like games where you have a skill list that you put your points into. Um, Bubblegum Shoe has a few different types of abilities or types of pools that you will spend your points in. Uh, in the course of play, you then spin points out of those pools to get information, to add to a die roll, things like that to accomplish whatever your goals are. One of the things that Gumshoe as a system and Bubble Gumshoe also presumes is that if you've got the ability, you get the clue. The whole game is about solving a mystery and it would suck ass if you could fail a die roll and not get the clue and not solve the mystery. And that's the end of the game because that was your job. So there are investigative abilities. There are interpersonal abilities. There are just general abilities. There are relationships. All of these different things can be used to maneuver your way through the world and pursue clues towards the end of a mystery. Um, so let's start with the investigative abilities. These are the core moves that you are going to use to find your clues. Um, there are relatively few of them. They're fashion, notice, outdoors, photography, pop culture, research, scholarship, and town lore. Um, because you typically don't have to spend points in this, you don't have to roll, you don't have to spend anything to use these, um, you get fairly few points to allocate within them. Uh, spending points in these abilities is kind of a rare circumstance. Usually, if there's a clue to be found, you just go, hey, we're outdoors. I have outdoors. What kind of clue do I find here? And I just tell you for nothing. Uh, they are more or less self-explanatory, but we might expand on some of them as we talk about who's got them and for what reasons. Uh, but let's again, let's go around the table, same order here and talk about who's got what investigative abilities and to what level. Everybody starts with six points to allocate within these however they want. Rev, what do you got? So I have got a notice of two, photography of two, pop culture of one, and scholarship of one. So notice is just like perception. It's your ability to see or spot things. Uh, scholarship is one that I think merits a little bit of explanation. Scholarship is just like school smarts. It is your trigonometry or your French or whatever. It is just things that you would learn within the school walls. Tass, what does Felix have? Fashion three. Perfect. Outdoors one. And pop culture two. Georgia? Uh, I have a notice of one, outdoors two, scholarship one, and town lore two. And Madison? I have a notice of two, research two, scholarship one, town lore one. So research, um, as opposed to scholarship, is the ability to just like look things up, uh, how to Google, how to go through records, stuff like that. Uh, town lore, which a couple of you have, is knowing things about the town or knowing where to find out things about the town. Um, just because you have town lore doesn't mean you know every person's dirty little secret, but it probably means that you would have a good idea of who might know that or how you could track something like that down. Uh, Bubble Gumshoe games are set in a relatively small town. The idea being that there's enough space to have like a mall or something, but it's small enough that everybody can kind of be in everybody else's business if need be. Uh, so let's move on to the interpersonal abilities. 
Uh, interpersonal abilities cover just how you interact with others, um, how you are in, in social situations and stuff like this. These are important because whereas investigative abilities help you like notice a clue, interpersonal abilities help you get information out of people, which is an equally important part of solving a mystery. Uh, the interpersonal abilities are BS detector, flattery, flirting, gossip, grown-up face, impersonate, intimidation, negotiation, performance, reassurance, and taunt. Uh, so, Peter, what do you have? I have BS detector of one, flirting of one, negotiation of two, reassurance of two, and taunt of three. Those ones I feel like are all pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Felix? I've got flattery one, flirting two impersonate two, intimidation one, performance one, and taunt two. Uh, and one mechanical thing to note is by having impersonate two, uh, you get a fake ID if you want one. Oh, uh, yeah, I do. What's your fake ID name? <laughs> Melix Danner. <laughs> Quick, what year were you born? You, you gotta Too know Too slow, you're out of the club. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna bounce you for sure. That was actual me going, no, math dates, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right, Georgia. I have flattery one, gossip one, grown-up face two, impersonate three, intimidation one, and performance one. Uh, and grown-up face is a fun one. It is both the ability to get an adult to take you seriously and to get other people to take you like as an adult it is your ability to kind of talk down to people of your own age and make them treat you like an authority figure it's the middle step of lemon face lion face in that warm-up that ben affleck and matt damon do <laughs> lemon face lion face grown up face. face um and i do also have a fake id but it's actually my older sister's i just took it from her and then she thought she lost it so it's a real id yeah okay it's just not me, so it doesn't count. Do you and your older sister look very similar? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Madison. I have BS Detector 1, Grown Up Face 3, Negotiation 2, Performance 1, Reassurance 2. Uh, so performance would be the thing that would like encompass your instrumentation. You're in the orchestra, right? I'm in the orchestra. I'm also, I do speech and debate, which also has a degree of performative aspect to it. What does she play, though? She plays violin. Nice. Classy. Uh, and then there are general abilities. Um, general abilities are, in a lot of ways, just kind of catch-alls for all of the other miscellaneous things that you would expect to see on a skill table in an RPG. Um, they cover various actions and talents that you might have. The general abilities in this are athletics, computers, cool, which we will ultimately talk about in detail, driving, filch, fighting, first aid, intuition, preparedness, repair, sneaking, and throwdown. Everybody gets 40 points to spend into their general abilities. So whereas with investigate and interpersonals, the numbers were kind of small, uh, the numbers can start to get fairly big in the general abilities. Um, but it is still encouraged that you kind of space these out so that everybody, we cover a lot of ground here. Everybody's got some bases covered. Um, in addition to those 40 points, you start out with four points in cool for nothing. Uh, cool in this game, it refers to like your ability to keep a cool head, your ability to not panic, to keep your wits about you, etc. Uh, it is also kind of the health and stamina for this game. Um, not that there isn't like physical health, physical altercations can happen, but because a lot of this is things like sneaking, things like arguing, things where it's more important to kind of keep your emotions in check, cool represents all of that. 
Um, as you are penalized for failing actions and things like that, it will deduct from your cool. There will be some times that you have to make tests of cool to see if you can just even stay chill enough to get something done. Um, so cool is a very important statistic. Throwdown is an important statistic that represents uh, social contests where you have arguments with people or you try to convince them to do things. Fighting won't probably come up that much. Uh, one of the things this game emphasizes is that violence has the consequences that violence has. If you punch a kid in the mouth in front of a teacher, you probably get expelled from school and then it's going to be hard to continue solving mysteries with all your friends. Um, you kind of just remove yourself from the game at that point. Uh, on the upper scale, like killing a person is a big fucking deal and something that <laughs> none of you should probably ever do in this game. Um, so fighting doesn't come up that much, but it is good to, I mean, at least have somebody who, if it comes to blows, can handle themselves. Usually this game will kind of cap off at like the somebody gets some cuts and bruises and then runs away and the fight is done. Um, so around the table once more here, let's talk about general abilities, starting with Peter Parker. All right. So I have an athletics of two, computers of two, cool of eight, fighting of two, intuition of seven, preparedness of two, repair of one, sneaking of five, throw down of four. And then I also have a cap ability. Yes. So a cap ability is a special thing you can do in this game. If there is a skill you want to have that you want to be super good at, and it is somewhere more specific than anything else on this list, you can take a cap ability. You have to spend a bunch of your points yeah. to even get it. Uh, cap abilities start at a five point investment to get one rating in it, one point rating. Depending on what kind of ability it is, it can go up to different levels. You know, investigative cap abilities would cap out at two. General abilities can go all the way up to a six. Um, but this would be something like, you know, despite the fact that violence doesn't happen very often, the example it gives in the book is like, but if you want to be good at guns, you could take firearms as a cap ability and just know that you, you know, you're investing a lot in this thing. Um, so what is your cap ability? Uh, so my cap ability is gadgets. Just okay. Building little like bits and bobs and odds and ends that can do different tasks. He's a tinkerer. Yeah. And uh, I have gadgets of six. I dumped 11 points into that to get to six. Yeah. So that takes a lot out of the rest of your general abilities. Um, and that is now maxed out. So that will be as high as gadgets gets. Yeah. And to expand on a few of those abilities, because um, these ones start to get into like kind of specific, more specific than what the term represents. Um, so computers is the ability to just interact with computers, but it's also the ability to like hack into the DMV or crack somebody's password or things like that. Like it is the hacker stuff. Uh, and it more or less assumes that you'll be able to do the thing, but the skill tells you whether you'll get away with it. Um, preparedness is the ability to just decide in the moment, like, oh, I remembered to bring that thing. Uh, oh, I've, I've got my mace on me or uh, I brought my dog. My dog bites. He's a well-trained attack dog. Um, preparedness is a rule you can make to go. Yes. As a matter of fact, you do have that or no, unfortunately you do not. Uh, repair is as it sounds. It is the ability to like repair items or to disable items. Uh, that includes locks. Repair would be what you roll. If you want to pick a lock to break into somewhere, or if you want to set a booby trap like Kevin McAllister, nice Felix, what do you have for general abilities? I've got athletics, nine cool, seven driving one filch, six, Fighting 5, Intuition 2, Preparedness 1, Repair 2, Sneaking 5, and Throwdown 6. Driving's another one that's interesting, because like you can all drive a car, presumably, if you are of age to have a license. 
you can drive to school and stuff. Driving as a skill is about whether or not you could tail someone or outdrive someone who is chasing you, things like that. Georgia. I have cool of nine, uh, first aid three, intuition three, preparedness 11, repair seven, sneaking eight, and throw down of three. Uh, and first aid does apply to actual physical damage. As rarely as that should come to pass, uh, there is a physical harm system. There are kind of four tiers of being physically hurt. First aid is how you bring somebody back up that track towards wellness. Madison. I have athletics one, cool nine, driving four, first aid five, intuition five, preparedness nine, sneaking three, throw down eight. Nice. And then finally, we will talk about relationships. Um, so relationships are another pool, like the abilities are, but they are not set for you to begin with. Uh, with relationships, you as the players and the characters decide who exists in this world and who is relevant to you and in what way, and you allocate them some points. Um, and like all of the abilities, those can be spent later for help from those relationships or to have them do something for you or to teach you a thing, things like that. Um, but this is a, a major opportunity to fill in the world here. Um, with Bubblegum Shoe, it is not the responsibility or duty or even what I'm supposed to do as the game master to create all of the people and all of the places and all of the situations. I am supposed to leave openings. Um, I'm supposed to ask you as the players every now and then, if you say, is there this place to say, I don't know, is there or yeah, there is. Where is it? Or yeah, it's here. Who works there? Things like that. And the relationships are kind of the first place that we get to start doing that. So I have, you know, some people in mind, some places in mind that already exist. Um, but as we talk about relationships, I might ask you if they could fill a role, you know, if they, if they could be adapted into like a role that I've already got in the mystery, or I might go, Oh, that's perfect. I know where that person fits in. Uh, I might make some modifications here to the story as we go through them. Um, so because this one's a little bit more freeform and creative, uh, I'll just kind of ask who wants to go first. Um, but basically you give me a name and kind of who that person is, uh, whether they love, like, or hate you, um, and how many points you put into that relationship. Um, and then over time, we will kind of determine what that relationship can get you. Who's got thoughts? Um, I have mom on my list with a, with a score of four in love. Uh, I have coach Fred with two in like. Who is Coach Fred? Uh, so Coach Fred is the football coach. Um, and I think he coaches several things, but like football is one of the the bigger sports that they focus on at Binford. Okay. So yeah, we just get along because I'm always there for everything. Like I, I love to be at all of these events and, and get everybody uh, um, just jacked up on energy. And uh, he always wants me to try out and be on the teams, but I'm just not that competitive so we kind of have a like a very chill kind of fake rivalry where he is, he's always real shitty with me because i'm not trying out for the team but you know we we have fun anyway <laughs> ah, but we have fun yeah <laughs> Do you guys have a, like a special move where they pass it to the mascot yeah you're technically on the <laughs> roster <laughs> they, they throw it in the frog's mouth there's, and i just take off there's nothing in the rules that says a bullfrog can't play <laughs> uh and then 
I've got uh, Jason with a like of two. He is the um, he's the QB. He is like the star player. Okay. And I have Annie with a three in love because she's my girlfriend. Um, she's like the star basketball player on the girls' team, and is just she's just very well liked by everybody. She's fun. Uh, and then lastly, I have Victoria with a like score of two and, uh, her, I got close with in theater club. Um, I think at first she didn't like me very much at all because I just sort of came in thinking it was a throwaway to, to have fun. Um, but then really kind of got into it and started enjoying it. And and so we became friends and, uh, I have actually three points left, um, kind of extra floating. And those are because I took secret hate three. <laughs> <laughs> is that the newest game by Bungie? <laughs> it is. I preferred Secret Hate 2. Personally. Yeah, 2 was really the best. <laughs> um, yeah, so likes and loves, um, all of these refer to how that person feels about you. Um, it's commonly goes both ways, but it doesn't have to. You could love someone that likes you and so on. Um, likes and loves get you some benefits. They might get you like some points back for certain things. They might get you some bonuses on certain things. Um, but hates, hates are for me. Uh, so what, <laughs> what hates do get you uh, are a few Let extra points. Let it fuel you, Anakin. Yeah. Uh, what hates do get you are a few extra points right out of the gate to put into relationships. Um, but you can take a hate and it'll give you three extra points to put into your relationships however you want. Um, and then I have a person that hates you that I can use against you that I can put in your way and use to obstruct your investigation. Um, you took a secret hate which is like a fun mega game master tool because now somebody exists in the game who fucking hates you so much. They, they hate, hate you three. They hate you three much. <laughs> and can anybody think of someone they hate three? Oh, that easily. they know in life. Not like someone that's outside of their actual sphere. I mean, I can think of some people outside of my sphere that I hate like seven. <laughs> I, I can't muster one right now. I wish I could have just spit out a name of somebody that listens to this. Like it was natural. <laughs> um, so somebody exists who hates you very much and you don't know that at all. Um, you know, they whether you just don't interact with them enough to know that or whether they're good at hiding it from you or whatever. Uh, it might not be someone that we encounter in play anytime soon even. But at some point, there will just be someone you encounter that I'll just be like, oh, they oh, God, they hate you so fucking much. And then you mark it down and it works like a regular relationship. Um, you can add points to it. You can spend against and things like that. Um, there are some things about like if you win contests against a hate, you get some extra stuff. So you have kind of given me the tools and given yourself none of it because you can't know if you want a contest against a hate <laughs> if you don't know who hates you. Uh, who's next? I'll go. Uh, I have a like three with Jesse who is my best friend and is head of the like activists click. Um, and I think he's the one that I learned a lot of my, here's how you cut through a chain link fence and strap yourself to a tree. And, <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> um, I like that you've codified the structure of the click. Like he is the, he's the president of our click. Yeah. He's the president <laughs> of our group of friends. I think he's the, he's the oldest. He's been doing it the longest and he's like passing on the, the knowledge of how to like stick it to the man to like all of us younger so is he still a student at the high school or is he graduated? I think he, I think he's still there, but like this is his last semester. 
He's not like a super senior, is he? Like he didn't get held back. <laughs> he was so busy, so busy activisming. He didn't. He didn't ever go to classes. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next one is Miss Gardner, who I have a like two with, and she is the journalism teacher. So she's the one that um, I go to for help with all of the preparation for the morning news show, and she's always there to like support me and help me in that structure of getting information out there. Uh, And my last one I have with my older sister, Molly, who I have a love six with. And she owns like a really well-known repair shop in town. And so she's very well-known, very well-beloved by the community. Um, She goes to people's houses for like house calls on like fixing stuff. Um, And I think that's where I get my, you know, my fake ID. And I'm really good at impersonating her voice. She's older than me, but we look very similar and I do a really good uh, impersonation of her. So I'm able to kind of get the things that I want by pretending to be her. And people are so enamored by her that I can often get my way. Awesome. And then I have uh, two points left that I'm going to hold on to and spend later in the mystery if that comes up. Perfect. Yeah. So when you establish your relationships at character creation, you've got to put at least five points out there, but the rest of what you got left, you can hold on to and you can just kind of spend in play when you encounter someone to go, I would like to have a relationship with this person and then establish that relationship just like you did all of the others. I also think this is interesting because impersonate in like the description of the ability, it specifies like this isn't the ability to like convince someone that knows a person that you're that person or anything. It might be the ability to like bluff on a phone call and and make someone think you're somebody else or whatever. But I feel like this is kind of a maybe a rare circumstance where you can do exactly that. This might be one of the rare times that you can use impersonate to convince someone that you are someone else if you look similar enough. Who wants to go next? Uh, I will. So I have five points of love with my mom. Uh, the school principal is like two holly who is my vice president is like three and then i have tim who is hate three he's on the school paper and i beat him in the last election okay so holly is like your literal like student government vice president like you're the president okay she's the vp so did tim leave student government for the newspaper because you beat him um, I think he was always on newspaper, but yeah, he's no longer in student government. Does he abuse his position in the newspaper to upset your political career? There's definitely been a few catty op-eds uh, during my term as president. Okay. Ge- Georgia is very active at trying to squash that as well. She doesn't <laughs> like Tim either. <laughs> uh, and Peter. Uh, yeah, so I have Mr. Riley, like two. Uh, Mr. Riley is the photography teacher. Okay. Uh, I have Dad at Love Three, uh, and he is a, a pop culture critic, and uh, he is. Uh, I'm a single parent child. Um, he is so, voiced by John Lovitz. He is. He is, <laughs> and uh, he is uh, obviously the one who who saddled me with this name. Um, and then I have Franklin. Uh, Franklin is a like to. He is the manager at Fry's Electronics. Okay. And then I have Nathan, uh, who I have hate one. And Nathan is the best term I can come up for him. He's the gatekeeper. Like he is like me in the sense of liking nerdy stuff, but he thinks that too many people like it and that that makes it lesser. And so he tries to keep people out of it. And so that is a returned hate. Okay. Um. So I want to hash a couple of things out with a couple of you. 
Um, you know, ultimately, all of these people you have a relationship with kind of have some tags, the nature of your relationship, the abilities that like they can help you with things like that. But those are kind of just established by the fiction of who they are. Um, but for the hates, I feel like it's important to have some more information because they might be budding into your life. You know, whereas the rest of your relationships might wait for you to call on them. The hates are here to get in your way and fuck your day up. So I'd like to know a little bit more about them. Um, so let's start with with Tim here. So what I know about Tim is that he quit student government. So he's a sore loser um, and he abuses his position on the newspaper. What do you think, like status wise, what is Tim? Is Tim like a, a spoiled kid? Is Tim like an angry dude in general? I think Tim is one of the rich, spoiled kids. Okay. I think he was he was expecting to win in a landslide and I simply worked harder. So does Tim get by on just being a likable person typically? I think or so. Yeah. Does he just think that incorrectly about himself and that's why he expected to win and lost? <laughs> oh man. Probably the latter, actually. Okay. Um, how about Nathan? Um tell me some stuff about Nathan here. Explain to me, like, again, you know, class wise, is he uh, a rich kid? Is he uh, a poorer kid. What's what's his deal? Uh, he is upper middle class so that he can afford all of the various things that he is uh, snooty about. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't know how else to ask this. Is Nathan like a you're not wrong. You're just an asshole kind of person. Or is he an asshole and also wrong in all of his opinions on like comics and what's good and what's interesting and stuff? It's a little of both. Like he can't admit that anything mainstream could be good, but he also doesn't want anybody to enjoy things that are mainstream. Okay. Uh, so that will actually do it for our bubblegum shoe character creation. Um, are there any kind of like questions, comments, concerns, uh, post character creation, but pre mystery here that anybody wants to knock out? I'm suddenly more concerned about this secret hate three. <laughs> okay. Can you, can you give me some more details on? Yeah, it's secret oh. and they hate you. Oh, okay. Let's find out more in the mystery itself. So it is lunchtime. Um, yes. Yeah, I know. So cut the recording. <laughs> Let's all get out of here, get some food and we'll be back. Um, no, it is, uh, it is lunchtime on a Tuesday at Binford high. Um, what, where's everybody coming from? What class do y'all have, uh, just before lunch period here? I have shop class. Excellent. I'm coming from, uh, calculus. Uh, I'm coming from a senior class specifically. It's a gym elective. So it's like a bunch of fun, sporty type stuff that's just like dodgeball and, and you know, that kind of thing. Now, is Felix a super senior? Because that feels like major super senior energy. Was Felix held back? No, no. Okay. Uh, I'm coming from AP literature. Okay. God, I it didn't occur to me until we started talking about this, how like visceral all of my reactions to high school things are going to be like my stomach turns and it's like AP literature. I'm like, that's true today. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's been a long time. Oh God, I remember that teacher. No, this isn't real. This is all fiction. Yeah, calculus was my pre-lunch class. Uh, so being from kind of various cliques and clubs and things, do you all sit together at lunch? Are you all tight enough that you lunch together or are you all kind of uh, drawn together by circumstance when it comes to mysteries? I think it's circumstance for Felix. Like, I think he likes, like genuinely likes everybody and so tries to make or make his rounds and connect with people and chat with people and see what's going on. So if we've ever done anything like this before, it's because like somebody brought something up and he's like, hell yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. I also think he's come into the cafeteria today, straight out from the gym, um, in Bungle the Bullfrog, the mascot costume. <laughs> Bullfrog! 
<laughs> Are we wet to that name? What a horrible... <laughs> Are you married to that? Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I assume the football team doesn't do well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he's having people like throw random food items into the mouth. That's one that he has to wear the costume in the class is a whole thing. And two that you've named him Bungle. Like your team has to get teased mercilessly (laughs) by the, by the other team. Every match. It's just the mascot that's named that. Not the you know, the overall, it's gotta be every player on the team just by, by proximity though. And I like that you wore this in the class. So this, this like senior advanced class was like Bungle 311. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally just his class. There's nobody else enrolled in it. It's just him. It's the old Bungle who teaches it. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever moves on from, <laughs> I think Georgia comes to the lunchroom and she just sits with different people every day to try and like recruit, recruit them. Okay, yes. she's trying to get signatures. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way that I think Peter sits with different groups because I know a lot of people because I take most of the photos for the yearbook. So like, I feel like I'm not sure what the phrases I want to use, but just kind of popping around to the different tables. Um, I don't know that I have a home, but that I always have some place to sit, if that makes sense. I was going to say that I, I could see Peter and Madison like being friends because yeah. we seem to have a lot of similar interests. That was kind of my closest person that I could think that I would sit with on any kind of a regular basis. But I, mm-hmm. on some level, I feel like part of that lunch would always be her giving me some instructions or asking me to cover this, that or the other. Probably. It's a <laughs> it's a working lunch. Yeah, exactly. So Madison runs a propaganda heavy student government. She has a pocket <laughs> photographer. She <laughs> drops leaflets. <laughs> Not propaganda heavy. She just wants to make sure that, you know, everything's getting enough attention. So are Madison and Peter lunching together today then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the two of you are in the lunch line, um, pushing your trays along, waiting to get your food, discussing your politics, whatever he needs to take photos of. And you hear the kids in front of you um, having a pretty excited conversation. Uh, One person is kind of pushed into the line ahead of you to join their friends, and they seem to have brought news. And you hear one of them saying, did you hear about Principal Miller's car? And everyone's like, what? No, what happened to Principal Miller's car? And they're like, "It's, it's gone. Someone stole it. And they're like, what? And they're so, they're psyched. Like they're, they're gabbing back and forth about like what this could possibly be. Can I essentially use my notice to to kind of eavesdrop on this and, and pick out the details they're talking about? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, no, no spend necessary. You hear him, the one that uh, busted in saying, uh, I hear that he was like working super late last night and at some point after dark, like he, he went out there to get in his car and it was just fucking gone. And they're like, what? Wait, the the Mustang? Like, yeah, the Mustang. Um, and I think you guys know that Principal Miller uh, he doesn't have a lot of nice things. He's a he's a high school principal, but one of his cherished possessions is a 67 cherry red Mustang convertible. And every now and then on a nice day or when he's in a really good mood, he'll drive that thing to school. Um, they say, yeah, the Mustang, it's gone. He couldn't get home. He had to sleep in his office. Uh, and the, one of the kids is like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Do you know who did it? Have you heard anything about it? Uh, and the first dude says, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about it. Supposedly, Principal Miller swears that it's someone from the auto club. And they're like, oh man, if he catches whoever that is, they're going to be suspended for like a month. And they say, they're not going to be suspended for a month. They stole a car. That person's going to go to jail. 
Welcome. Thank you for hanging out after the episode. If you are still here, it means that you want to hear how we played through the Monster Mash. I have to admit, before we get this started, this may be my cones of Dunshire. Like, I I wanted this to be simple, and then the more I worked on it, the more kind of complicated it got. I've tried to pare it back so that it's a nice, simple thing, but the game will literally be called the Monster Mash. So if you want to play this at home, pick your own cryptids and play the Monster Mash. Let's see if this freaking works. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I think that the Monster Mash works best with at least three, but the more the merrier, uh, because this is a dice economy game. Uh, So what's going to happen is, in a moment, we're going to figure out, I'm so (laughs) nervous about my game working, who is which monster. You're each going to be two, one of you three of the monsters within the Monster Mash. And you're going to come up with some of the lore for them that's going to generate your dice where they fall. Uh, And then whenever there's a fight, the three people not involved in that fight will hear kind of the game plan and they will have a die to give to whichever person they think has the best argument for how things are going to work out. And then there will be one additional dice, which is the environment dice. Again, those three people not in the fight will decide together which monster the environment favors and that monster will get that additional die as well so the first thing i've got to ask for you all to do everybody roll me one six-sided die all right what do we got i got a two i got a one i got a four i got a two okay so this is just kind of arbitrary i'm assigning them a side of the uh of the bracket so our first match in the monster mash is going to be Spark versus Grimjoy with Jake as Spark, Tass as Grimjoy, and our second fight will be Iron Wolf versus Tech, Kim as Iron Wolf, Megan as Tech. So, what you're going to do now, you've all got your character, you've heard a brief description of them, Uh, just for the listeners again, we'll do a rundown. Spark is the suit of armor that is operated by a cluster of electric gremlins. Grimjoy is the Naga with the bone assassin blades that come out of their wrist. Iron Wolf is the biker werewolf, and Tech is the collection of ants uh, that act as one. So you all have, to stat these characters out, four points. And it's going to be simple adding those points into either the attack column or the defense column. But what I'm going to ask you to do is come up with a justification for that. So I'm going to jump way down the road, and I'm going to go with Roaster, who is the champion from last year. So if I'm playing as Roaster, I think about what I know about Roaster. He's a giant, fire-breathing demon. So I'm going to say Roaster has two attack and two defense. He's got two attack because he can breathe fire, and he's got super sharp teeth and claws. And then he's got two defense because he can fly, and he's got armored scales. So that's kind of my justification for two and two. You can stack these however you want. You can put all your points into attack if you can justify it. You can put all your points in defense if you can justify it. What this turns into once we start doing the actual playthrough of this fight is that when you're doing an attack action, you'll roll all of your attack dice. Plus, you'll get a bonus for every time you can weave one of your justifications for the attack from the thing you've listed on the character sheet. You'll get a, you'll get a bonus from that. Same thing with defense. If you can defend in the story using one of the things you've listed, you'll get a point of armor against the attack that was just done to you. 
Does that kind of make sense, at least at this beginning stage? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right. So the magic of editing. Here we are. Tass and Jake have statted out their characters. So we're going to get into the first fight. So we have Spark versus Grimjoy. Jake, tell me about Spark. Uh, so Spark has two attack and two defense. Um, relatively balanced for an electric suit of armor. So yeah. uh, the two defense are because Spark is a suit of armor which is inherently a piece of defense uh, and spark is electric. So striking uh, any part of the electric suit could in turn shock the person that lashed out uh, the two attack. I'm justifying with uh, again, shocking that just any contact between them and an opponent could electrocute the opponent. So whether it's defense or offense, they could get that shock off uh, and that it is a collective um, it is several little gremlins, so parts of the suit can operate like totally independently of each other. Like the torso could rotate to face a direction that the legs aren't moving because one gremlin's operating the legs and one gremlin's operating the torso. So okay. like it's very modular in how this suit can behave very differently from a person in a suit. All right. What about Grimjoy? So Grimjoy has three attack and one defense. Ooh. So the first justification are the bone claws, these bone blades that can come out of course. Um, they're just very dense and sharp, so can do a lot of damage for attack. Uh, another attack point I have for the squeeze, uh, this super strong coiling that the Naga can do around its target and, of course, break it to pieces. And lastly for attack, uh, what I call the scale rend. So I imagine these scales are extremely rough and dense and barbed so that not only when they're squeezing do they obviously do that strong attack, um, but as the, the scales are writhing around its target, it's ripping and flaying and doing terrible, awful things. Okay. So the point for defense uh, kind of feeds into the same thing with the scales. They're just super dense, um, so it's, it's, it's hard to really land much of an attack on them. Okay, so the first step of this is going to be the two of you. Let's have a little paper, rock, scissors. Just one bout. One, two, three, fire? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, go. Fuck. Okay, so Tass won uh, the paper, rock, scissors, so that means Tass gets to attack first. So what's going to happen is you're going to describe narratively how you are attacking Spark. Again, if you can work in your, your various things, uh, you'll get that bonus to the attack it won't change the number of die you get, but it will change the amount of damage you ultimately do. Now, for those of us not in the fight, we're going to listen to Tass, how he describes he's going to attack Spark. And then we're going to listen to Jake, how he's going to try to defend against that. And we each have a die that we will give whichever one we think works the best. Like, you know what? I'm, I, I agree with Jake's defense. I think that's a solid defense against this. He gets my die. So once we get through the description... Uh, each of the judges will give their die to one of the two combatants. And then as a group, the judges will decide there's one die left. That's the environment die. Which combatant does the environment suit the best in this moment? And then we will award that die to that person. They'll take all of those die. They will roll them. A four and up is a success. We'll remove all the dies that are not a four and up. And then we'll compare those numbers. If the attacker has more successes than the defender, that's how many points of damage are taken. 
if the defender has more points than the attacker, that is hold they get to add to their attack. The next round, they defended so well that the attacker's off balance. They now get those points in their return attack. Who boy. <laughs> so I feel slightly less crazy having said it all out loud. Uh, so Tass, tell us how in the rainforest, Grimjoy is going to try to make the first move on Spark. Uh, I think mobility's key here. I think, uh, you know, this big piece of armor isn't going to be quite as fast as my Naga. So I think Grimjoy darts in quickly with the goal to uh, disable Spark's mobility. So this is a darting in to get around the legs as fast as possible and put on that rending, tearing scale squeeze all around the knee joints and the legs uh, in hopes of ruining those mechanisms so Spark can't get around. Okay, and so if I'm hearing it correctly, you're kind of invoking two of your three attack moves. That is correct. And again, this doesn't, Tass will still roll all three of his die, uh, but if he is successful, it will give him two additional points of damage on the result. How is Spark going to defend against this? Uh, Spark is going to basically sprawl, like get one leg way out behind him and one leg like down on a knee so that they are far apart, hard to wrap up together and off balance uh, and kind of supercharge the lower half of the body, like the electricity that courses through the armor, focus it into the bottom half so that when the Naga makes this grab, it eats a lot of electricity. All right, judges, who are you giving your die to? I'm voting for Grimjoy. <laughs> oh, and I will throw out there that each monster has seven hit points. I think I'm going to go with Grimjoy. I agree. It might be my obvious bias towards snakes, but I really want to see this Naga just hug this suit of armor to death. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Spark, um, mainly because of the of the electricity in this wet environment and the fact that Grimjoy has to drag its body along this wet environment, so it's going to conduct a lot of electricity. Uh, so, Tass, your attack is three die, so you get an additional two, so you've got five. Jake, your defense is two, you get an additional one, so you've got three. Where do we think the environment die goes? Who does the rainforest benefit in this moment? See, that's what I'm trying to figure out is, does the rainy environment, is that more beneficial <laughs> to Spark in the sense of being able to electrify the water against opponents? Or is it damaging to something that is electric? more electric base well the, it's the gremlins um like the armor i don't think me personally i don't think the armor could be negatively impacted by the the extra electricity because it's just living electric creatures inside of it is the snake like more attuned to moving through rough terrain yes like a i do think that the mobility wise i think the naga definitely has the benefit there right it's it's the actual I, I want to. I don't want to keep saying wetness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please do. It's the um, <laughs> moistness. Yes, the moistness. That's what I would prefer. <laughs> I think. I think I'm going with the the Naga on this one. I think Grimjoy's got the advantage, especially rainforests are dense. I think I'm gonna go with the Naga. So the extra die goes to Grimjoy. All right. So let's roll them. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're going to remove anything that's under a four. So what do we got here? How many successes do we have? Five. And how many successes does yes. Spark have? One. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, so that leaves Tass with four successes. 
Tass also invoked two of his narrative things, so that gives him six inflicting damage. Jake did also invoke two of his defense moves. Uh, so, Jake, you do get to subtract two from that. So I take four damage. So you take four damage. Neato. All right, so, Jake, how is Spark retaliating? Uh, so, I think various parts of the armor kind of operate independently here like the gremlins do their individual duties so the hands are going to grab onto the tail of grimjoy um and the while the base is wide while the legs are wide the torso is going to just spin to <laughs> slam grimjoy uh into and maybe like wrap around a tree um and as i do i think all of the charge now goes into the hands where i'm making contact with the opponent all right, and how is Grimjoy going to try and defend from this? Um, I think feeling this move coming and knowing how fast this thing can probably go when it charges up, uh, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to essentially coil as much as I can around Spark's arm that has me in its grip so that I just turn into this ball of thick scales that will absorb the, the blow. So it sounds like Spark is invoking both of his attack and Grimjoy is invoking his one defense. Judges, where are you giving your die? I think I'm on Spark with this one. I like I like that thought of, of supercharging the hands and concentrating all of the attack power into that move. Yeah, same. I think I'm on Team Naga. I want a new judge. <laughs> she said out loud that she's biased towards snakes. If this was like the Olympics, she would be removed. All right, and where do we think the environment die goes? Can I argue my case? Uh, sure. I'm slamming him into a tree. <laughs> That's true. Snakes that live is in fair. trees. That's fair. <laughs> You're thinking of bananas. Snakes are familiar yeah. with yeah. trees. Yeah, I think I got to give it to uh, to Sparks. Yeah, I think that's that's the base of this attack is using the environment. So, agreed. Yeah. All right. So, how many die do you each have this time? I have five. I have two. All right. Oh boy. Let's see it. Three successes. One. One success. All right. So, Jake, you did invoke two of your attack, so you deal four damage. Tass, you did invoke your one defense, so you take three harm. All right. So, Tass, Grimjoy has been slammed into a tree while electrocuted. What is their response? <laughs> your rebuttal. <laughs> Uh, I think this is a quick reaction. I think that as soon as I'm slammed, like I'm I'm ready for that pain. So as I am pressed up against the tree as quickly as possible, I am retracting those wicked bone blades to jam into the joint of the shoulder of the robot and just rending the arm off. And uh, how is Spark defending against that? I think... Like Grimjoy last round, I'm leaning into it as he tries to like dig in and rend that arm. I am basically doing a forward roll over that shoulder and across the snake that is trying to rend the arm so that he's got no leverage. And I am actually like keeping pressure on the joint to prevent it from being removed. All right. So it sounds like Tass is invoking one of his. It doesn't seem like Jake's invoking any of his defense. Um, I mean, I don't think like... Being a suit of armor particularly helps in this point because he's like literally attacking the weak point in a suit of armor. Um, I still think that the shock, though, would probably go off. Like, I think I'm still, you know, there's still electricity coursing through the point that he's making contact with. Okay. So you're both invoking one. 
judges where your die going. Definitely with Spark on this one. I love that idea of taking away that leverage of trying to, to pull off the arm. You know, my status as an impartial judge has been called into question. So I'm going to give <laughs> my die to Jake. Again, to prove a yeah. Point. Well, now that's yeah. just doing the same thing on the you other end. You only dug yourself deeper. I don't think you're looking at the actions. <laughs> I am going to give mine this time to, to Grimjoy. Uh, because I imagine the joints, if they can move super independently, might be fairly weak. So if the arms and the torso and things, I think he, he has some good area to get those into. Um, who gets the environment die on this one? I personally don't know that the environment comes into effect this time. Agreed. I'm not sure if okay. it does. You get nothing. You get, we're holding it back. You lose. All right, so how many die do you each have? Four. Also Four. Two. Just one. All right, so that's you dealing two points of damage, and Spark is resisting one, so you take one. What are you at, Spark? Uh, I've got two health left. Okay. How are you retaliating? This is going to be its own miniseries. <laughs> uh, okay. I am supercharging that shoulder again, like where he's got the, the claw or claws dug in um, to try and loosen him up for a moment while I just barrel into the next closest hard surface I can find with that shoulder to try and snap those claws off inside of the joint. Oh, all right. How are you defending against that, Grimjoy? As Spark gets momentum doing this, uh, I am just fully coiling entirely around the arm and I'm just tightening up with all of my strength so that the arm can only be at one angle so that when he hits, the whole arm just comes clean off. So it sounds like, again, Jake is invoking both of his tasks. I'm not sure you're invoking yours because you're kind of taking the hit so that the arm comes off if you if you if you get hit. Yeah, I mean that's that's the only closest justification is that I'm relying on the thickness of my scales to take a broader hit than what he was intending. But that's loose. Yeah, I yeah. admit it. Okay, judges, where are you die going? I personally this time am going with Spark. The thought of those bone things in a joint and just them getting slammed and, oh boy. Yeah, I think me too. I like the idea of the arm being forced to be at a very uh, dangerous angle for Spark to slam into something, so I'm going to go with Grimjoy. Okay, and the environment die. I mean, we're in a rainforest, so there are lots of opportunities to slam... Yeah, the yeah. naga into you know from tree to tree and again he's specifically using the environment for this attack so okay spark. yeah spark gets the environment die how many die do you each have this time five two all right let's see it uh three successes none Oof. oh so that is spark dealing five damage Ooh, it's probably fine right how many hit points do you have Grimjoy. Four left. So even with your armor, if we were to give it to you, that's the end of round one. Our winner is Spark, a suit of armor powered by a cadre of electric gremlins. I can't believe I won that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you came back. That was good. Up next, we have Iron Wolf, the werewolf biker, versus Tech, the collective of ants, fighting in a cluster of subway tunnels. Let us know about... Iron Wolf and Tech. 
Okay, so for tech, my points, I split right down the middle, and I gave two for attack and two for defense. Uh, For attack, I put that there's... It's the eternal colony, baby. We got a shared consciousness. We can kind of shapeshift into whatever kind of weapon will suit us in this moment. Uh, and the other one is having that that strength that ants have of being able to to take on a lot more than uh, you would assume for their size. Okay. And for defense, I have the ability to break apart, essentially. We're not a single entity, a single target we can diffuse and separate from each other. Uh, and the other defense I have is the ability to burrow underground. All right. What about Iron Wolf? So Iron Wolf, I'm also going to attack and to defense for my attack. The first one being just my natural werewolf teeth and claws. Uh, and my second attack being, you know, I brought my motorcycle to this fight. <laughs> and so I can use that. So I can use that oh to run over a bunch of bugs. I love it. What about the defense? Uh, and so my uh, one point of defense is going towards my uh, my naturally thick werewolf skin that I have then also put a very thick leather biker jacket over that. So it's going to be really hard to sort of, um, especially if you're a bunch of ants, to really bite and break through those two layers of protection. Uh, And my second point of defense going towards just the mobility of being on a motorcycle. I'm going to be able to get away from tech pretty quickly. Okay. All right. So if I could get some paper, rock, scissors to find out who goes first. All right. So it is Megan. Okay. All right. So tech down in a cluster of subway tunnels. Iron Wolf across from you on the motorcycle. Fucking motorcycle. What's your opening salvo? You weren't anticipating the motorcycle, were you? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to I'm going to run at the motorcycle and kind of break apart and some of us are going to crawl over the the engine and I would like to um chew through the fuel line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Iron Wolf, how are you going to defend against this? You see the swarm of ants coming towards the cycle. Um, I think I'm going to uh, rev up my motorcycle and then start to sort of bobbing and weaving in and out through the subway tunnels and see if I can uh, get and I can try to outpace tech, basically. All right. So it sounds like tech is invoking both of their attack moves and Iron Wolf is invoking one of their defense moves being the mobility of the motorcycle. Judges... Where are you giving your die? Uh, I'm giving it to tech. I feel like this is, it's like a tidal wave. Like there's only so much you can do to avoid this blob. This, <laughs> if tech gets hands on, like that's going to be the ball game for the motorcycle, I think. Yeah, I think opening salvo, there's no real fight momentum yet. So I think I agree. I think the the tidal wave of this might just be a little bit too much for getting the cycle going and trying to make a move. I think I'm going to have to agree. I think the the dead stop of the cycle at the start of this, uh, I'm also going to give mine to tech. Uh, what about the environment die? I think the environment definitely favors Iron Wolf. I agree. All right, so tech gets three of those dice, and Iron Wolf gets one. What are you both rolling? I'm rolling five. I'm rolling three. That's three successes for me. Also three successes. All right. So this balances out. Nothing happens in this moment. I mean, stuff happens. (laughs) But with no effect. But with no effect. This moment's a lot like the bulk of our lives. (laughs) Lots of effort. (laughs) Little result. I have to go. (laughs) 
Um, so, Iron Wolf, how are you responding to this? I think I rev my motorcycle, drive through the swarm of ants, reverse and drive through them again. Oh, All right. So how does tech defend against this? I think I'm seeing the path of the motorcycle, especially, you know, we're in subway tunnels. So I'm assuming those headlights are coming into play. It's pretty obvious the direction you're heading. I'm just breaking apart, making a path, splitting this. Just, just making an arch. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it sounds like you're both invoking one of your attack and one of your defense. Judges, where your die going? Uh, I mean... We just had tech swarm this thing to little effect, but still a tidal wave. I, I'm thinking that the I'm, I'm thinking that Iron Wolf's reaction to make use of that cluster has the upper hand here. I agree. I think I'm still of the opinion that it's going to be hard as hell to hit this shifting blob. So mine goes to tech. Okay. What about the environment die? I don't feel like it comes into effect here because if they're just kind of doing a a quick backup and reverse and. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. How many die each rolling? Four. Two. All right, let's see it. Four successes. One success. All right, so that means that Iron Wolf is dealing four damage, but Tech is subtracting one for the armor, so Tech takes three points of damage. Tech, what is your return tactic? Uh, I think I'm going to break apart and climb up the walls to coalesce back together on the ceiling and then just drop as a mass on top of Iron Wolf. And Iron Wolf, how are you defending against that? I mean, that seems like a pretty easy thing to watch set up if I'm on a very mobile motorcycle. So I think I'm going to see tech gather up on to the roof of the subway tunnel and then just simply move out of the way. And if that doesn't work, I have a lot of natural armor. Yeah, so it sounds like you're both invoking both of your points. Judges, where are your die going? You always get me with the Acme Anvil. Always. I'm sorry. Tech, you got it. I know. Uh, mine's going to Iron Wolf. I agree. This is a lot of setup and seems like it would be relatively easily avoided. Yeah, I think Iron Wolf as well. Uh, what about the environment die? I would say the environment goes to Tech on this one. The ability to climb up the walls and get onto the ceiling in a narrow tunnel like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what are you each rolling? Four. Four. Let's see it. Three successes. Two successes. All right. So with all of the cancellations and the attack bonus and the armor, that means that Iron Wolf takes one point of damage. Iron Wolf, your rebuttal. Well, if I've got a big sort of anvil-sized pile of ants that is now crashed to the floor, I think I'm pulling up on my motorcycle. It skids to a stop, and I'm just ripping into this mass of ants with my teeth and claws. And uh, how is tech defending against that? I mean, we're underground, so I'm going to slip into the cracks and burrow down into the ground so I can avoid that attack. All right. So you're both invoking one. Judges, where are your die going? Tech. I think even if you manage to bite a bunch of ants, you lose. So <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence until that. And I, I think you're right. I think the amount of damage that's going to get caused here is not as much a, as might otherwise happen. So I think it's uh, tech. Yeah, I do too. Um, what about the environment die? I mean, it's tech again, I yeah, think. Yeah, shit. This is a stacked round. Yeah. All right. So tech gets all of those die. What are you each rolling? Two. Six. Two successes. 
one success. Damn! (laughs) I got three ones, a two, and a three. Wow. All right. So with everything adjusted, that is Tech taking one point of chew damage. (laughs) (laughs) Tech, how are you responding? As Iron Wolf jumps to (laughs) bite us, I want to crawl up the leather jacket. I want to get in through those uh, those sleeves. Instead of biting through it, I'm just going in the armholes. Oh, God. All right, and how is Iron Wolf defending against this? Throwing off the jacket, hopping on the motorcycle, smushing my jacket with the motorcycle. It sounds like you're each invoking one because Kim is giving up the jacket, so I wouldn't call that an invoke. Uh, and it seems like it's bites over strength here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so judges where you're die going. I think mine's going to Tech because Tech wants to get on Iron Wolf's skin and Iron Wolf has just shed the jacket. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I think uh, even shedding the jacket, like that's solid and will help a little bit, but not as much as the amount of them that are just on the skin now. I'm going to go with Iron Wolf because I think that whatever ants are inside the jacket are much more likely to get smushed mm-hmm. by being run over between layers of things than just by being run over by a tire. Yeah, all right. And what about the environment die? Kind of don't feel like it benefits either in this case. I agree. Tess, two out of three, your voice doesn't matter in this moment. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) All right, how many die are you rolling? Four, three. One success. Three successes. Damn. Boy, another big tide turn. All right, so this is the first occurrence of this. Uh, You both have invoked one, canceling out. Iron Wolf has a... Plus two to carry forward into their next attack. Iron Wolf, how are you responding? I think if I'm covered in ants, I'm letting the engine of my motorcycle get so hot that the ants are going to be burned off of my skin. Brutal. I don't like it. Are you letting it get hot and then touching it with your body? Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah, brutal. And uh, how are you responding to this tech? Sensing the the heat of the engine, I think the closer that I get to it, I think I'm just breaking apart and crawling down a way to come back together in a in a different area. So I'm just avoiding that that sensation of that heat that I know is is coming to try and burn me off. All right. So they're both invoking one. Where are your die going? Iron Wolf. Gotta love that. Just sacrificing the body to burn a bunch of ants. I agree. I don't imagine that's a move that was expected. I think I'm going with tech. I think tech has the easier job trying to evade this. This seems like another, even if you win, you lose move from Iron Wolf. And what about the environment die? Still not really either of them. I don't think the nature of a subway tunnel benefits either of them. Yeah. All right. So how many die are you each rolling? Three, four. Okay. Three successes for me. (laughs) Four successes. Damn. Shit. All right. So with what is being canceled out here and the carryover from the previous round, Tech takes three points of damage. Tech, where are you sitting at right now? That's it. I'm done. Oh, my goodness. And with that, Iron Wolf moves on, and that brings us to the end of this chunk of fights for the Monster Mash. We will see you next week for more Crit Show Double Feature with Bubblegum Shoe and more Monster Mash.
The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. 17.9 cycles ago, us machines defeated the humans. Now, we're living the good life here in Droidston, Manitoba. Morning, Gif! Morning, Gus! But there's still the problem of human infestation. That's what it's time to call Human Be Gone. Experts in ethical human relocation. <laughs> this job has everything. Danger. Whoa! Sounds like we got some dingers in there. Excitement. Incoming. And drama. You're the one who leaked herself in my best Manny rice bed. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Oh. Human be gone. Coming soon wherever you get your podcasts. Human.